0: Hey, it's Brandon. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for the download today. If you're trying this for the first time, thank you so much for the download and giving us a shot. If you like what you hear, love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We appreciate the support. All right. Today's episode features Josh Durham. He's a returning guest and one of my best friends. And if you listen to the episode... Uh, couple months ago where he's talking about his five foundational leadership principles. Today, we're diving into agreements. He says that we should not let vague promises, misunderstandings, or misplaced risks hinder the success of our businesses. So in today's episode, I sit down with Josh and we take a deep dive into this core principle of agreements. And you're going to get a fresh perspective on what it takes to make sure everyone is on the same page From the initial stages of a project all the way through its hopefully successful completion, Josh has gone through many really large-scale projects in the construction industry, and he describes in vivid detail some of the stories about agreements gone wrong and what he would have done differently. So he's here to share his philosophy on agreements and some of his gifts of failure stories where Maybe some things didn't go so well, and he's since learned from those mistakes that have been made either by him or by other people he's worked with. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode with Josh Durham of Gamut Project Solutions. Josh, it is a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for coming on.
1: Great to see you, Brandon. Nice to be here again.
0: Yeah. So the first episode that we did together not too long ago, we talked about the foundational leadership principles that you've developed over your incredible career in the construction industry. And so for listeners who want to go back and listen to that, it gives a really good kind of highlight as as to what you're about to get into with some of these other principles that we're going to get into. And, And the first one is agreements. So we briefly mentioned it. I want you to unpack this. Why is it even your first principle that you've come up with on the whole entire curriculum that you've built around the Foundational Five?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a good question. And one I had to ask myself a lot as I was forming the Foundational Five guiding principles in this formal format that I now have. These five principles we're going to dive through, all of them come from a place of Pain for me. I learned them all the hard way. And as I was creating the the curriculum and, and the workshop, I kept coming back to agreements being a part of that pain and all the other principles. You know, some sort of agreement was not understood. Some sort of agreement was not met. Again, and I'm not just talking about contracts. There's all sorts of agreements in this world. So that's why we're starting there. I you know I believe that agreements are the foundation. Of the building industry, because we live in a world entirely based on agreements. If you think about it, absolutely.
0: I mean, I even think like internal teams working it—not even just like a client relationship or a big project that you're working on, but like even internal teams, like within an organization, like having agreements about what our roles are and what our responsibilities, and we're going to hold each other accountable to those, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, when I, especially you know, classes I teach that are with contractors, when they hear agreements. You know, Folks' minds automatically go to contracts, naturally, right? But there's also the relationship agreements that we make, both in our personal and professional lives with team members, with spouses, with friends. <laughs> yeah, We're agreeing to certain things within that relationship. And when we don't meet those agreements or the other person doesn't meet those agreements, things go bad quickly yeah, on personal right. experience. So that's why we start there, you know, because there's, you know, there's written agreements, verbal agreements, social agreements we all make, right? We all we all agree to drive on the right-hand side of the road here in this country. We could James Bond it if we wanted to and get over in that <laughs> left lane and see what happens, but we're, we're all agreeing that we we drive on the right-hand side, right? And that's a, that's a social agreement. Yes, it's backed up by law, but we're all agreeing that that's the way to do it. So uh, that's why we're starting there. And the other big piece of this is, You know, like I kind of alluded to, healthy relationships are based on solid agreements where both parties understand what they're signing up for in that agreement, what they're agreeing to do, right? Again, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a professional relationship or, yes, a construction contract, if both parties enter into that agreement, understanding what it means and what their responsibilities are within that agreement, the relationship's going to go good. And we've all experienced the opposite of that, right? Where we're caught off guard, like, well, I thought you were going to do that. No, I thought you were going to do that. Well, what did we agree to, right? So it, it creates healthy relationships, which is principle number five we'll get to down the road there. And, you know, my belief is that if you leave the understanding of whatever your agreement is that you're making with someone else to fate and hope that they understand it and hope that you understand it, you can have really detrimental and damaging things happen to your that relationship, to your personal life, to your professional life. There's a lot at stake, period.
0: Yeah. I think what's interesting about agreements too and starting there is it, you know, you can both agree on it, both parties or a team or, you know, multiple organizations, whatever it is. If we all agree to this, it's, it's time to move forward in that relationship. It also gives you an out as well. If you don't agree to the terms, it gives you a chance to say, this is not actually a good fit. I could walk away. And and it's fine. You can wash your hands of it, and and no damage is done, right? Have you ever have you ever walked away from anything because of the agreement didn't match uh, whether your value system, money, responsibilities, anything like that?
1: Uh, for sure, more so now than I ever did before, right? You know, I, a lot of us leave it up to fate, right? That We hope this works out, right? And again, guilty as charged where I've hoped that contract was, you know, mutually you know beneficial or, you know, that it was set up in a way that allowed both parties to proceed and didn't study it enough, you know, and understand it enough to really know where those risks were. But now, again, through learning it the hard way, I put a great level of effort into understanding what you know these agreements are saying. And it's a big part of what I teach. Especially when we're talking about actual contract agreements. If you go into one of those things not understanding what your responsibilities are and and what the other person's is, it will catch up to you every single time, one way or another. Story about that today, we're going to dive into. So, I mean, the principle of agreements, the the principle of it is I say, agree to nothing until you understand the terms. I'm not talking about your cell phone agreement or your cable agreement. Like, you got to sign that. Thing Right. They own our souls. There's nothing we can do. Nobody reads the terms of agreements. On this. <laughs> no. Right. You know, if they got all our information and it's a done deal. Right. If you want to use that service, what you understand about that agreement is you're giving up everything. Right. <laughs> you yeah. have very little power. But in the types of relationship agreements that we have in this world and professional ones like contracts, you do have a great say and responsibility in creating those agreements. And you do have a great responsibility to understand the terms. And if you agree to something before you make that effort to understand what is in that agreement, again, they're very risky proposition for you down the road.
0: Yeah, with successful agreements that you've seen, in what form do they take? I imagine like you're from the construction industry. So it's probably like legal contracts and all that. But you know, what forms have you seen agreements either with maybe it's even a personal agreement? It's verbal or something, but just give me the main components of what you see in agreements.
1: Yeah, successful ones are usually set up with really good communication, clear communication about roles and responsibilities, whether it's a actual contract to go build something or a team forming themselves, clear roles and responsibilities and clear communication about what those roles and responsibilities are before you get into the thick of it, the thick of the relationship or the thick of the project, having those outlined at the beginning and all parties saying, "Yep, I agree, like this is what I'm responsible for and that's what you're going to do is what basically sets up a solid agreement, like clear communication upfront and not shying away from disagreements at that point when you're setting it up, right? Right,
0: yeah. That's the time to negotiate the agreement, right?
1: Exactly, that's the time to get that stuff out on the table and shift around responsibilities within that agreement to the party most appropriate for taking it on and, and dealing with it. The wrong time, and what I see you know, more often than not, is to try to renegotiate terms once an agreement has been you know, executed, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a construction contract. Trying to renegotiate what the responsibilities were when you signed up to be married when you're four or five, ten years in. That's not the right time to do it, right? It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but that Again, is a much more challenging conversation than when you're getting into that relationship, right? So part of agreements are disagreements and having them, you know, you have to speak up when you disagree. We talk about that in communication a lot. That's what helps set these things up for success.
0: What are the common pitfalls that you've seen? In agreements, whether it's like an, an agreement was executed and it was like something's missing, or just I, I know you've run across this where you've had pitfalls along the way, or you've seen people make huge mistakes in the agreements that they've they've established.
1: Yeah, I think speaking specifically to legal agreements, you know, just talking about that, um, where I've seen probably the most pitfalls. A few key things that come up over and over again often in these legal agreements you know whether it's a construction contract or otherwise you know a party gets a draft copy of the contract the agreement and they don't read it
0: oh no because that's the time where you'd want to strike things or add things that really would would serve your interests yep and people just don't read it interesting They just don't read
1: it like oh it's just the contract no it is it is the agreement it is everything it's setting up the whole thing so
0: binding legal
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And that happens over and over again. A lot lot of that comes back to folks just feeling that they don't have the time or expertise that it takes to really understand it. So, again, they're hoping that they'll sign it and that the relationship goes okay. Right. That one happens over and over again. You know, vague agreements, vague terms in legal uh, contracts that don't have clear deliverables. Clear timelines, clear budgets, you know, in some cases, clear scopes, all those leaving undefined or gray areas in your contract again creates the opportunity for a misunderstanding down the road. That happens over and over again. I can't tell you how many contracts I, you know, I look at where the terms are undefined. Like I can't pick out of it what that scope is or what that agreement was. Like someone that is not a party to the agreement should be able to open that thing up and say, oh, okay, here's what they were gonna do here's what they were gonna do. Again, when you do that, it just creates an opportunity for a misunderstanding of the relationship going into it. You know, I think the biggest thing that uh, when we're talking about legal agreements, that is a pitfall that happens over and over again is the various risks within that agreement are getting assigned to the wrong party. In contracting, you know, I say, you know, we're basically risk managers. We're always just managing risks on, on these projects. Um, and really in any type of business, you're managing risk. But um, in an agreement, you're agreeing each party is saying we're going to take on this risk within it, you know, and risks come in all shapes and sizes. Some are schedule related risks. Some are budget related risks. You know, some are insurance related risks. And if the wrong party in the agreement is being asked to take on that risk, they are not most capable of mitigating it during the course of the agreement. You're going to have problems down the road. You're going to end up with an ugly conversation with that other party at some point.
0: When it comes to agreements, how much or how important is it to define the roles and responsibilities of the parties? Tremendous tremendous you know yeah give me an example of that
1: you know you take well let's just you know getting away from the legal document let's go back to creating a project team right whether it's a for a construction project or for building a website any sort of project-based work where you have multiple people with different roles in it right if i said hey brandon you're going to be the systems engineer on this project we're going to deliver and we start in two weeks so get with Sally and you know she's going to be the project manager give us Sally and um, you know I'll check in with you in six months and that's all we talk about in setting up that role and responsibility and I don't give you a clear list of what your deliverables are what your responsibilities are and also talk about what Sally's are I've set you guys up for failure right there's no clear roles and responsibilities in that relationship so you know, I talk a lot about agreements in the construction world, you know, about the key roles that are you have to have outlined clearly in any construction team and defining those roles at the beginning. And then within those roles, if you have someone that's really strong with one skill set, but it's not necessarily in their normal swim lane, and you got someone else that's weak in that area, but that's something they should be doing, you have an opportunity to trade responsibilities at that point, right? Air those things out. And say, okay, we're going to swap those responsibilities. This person's really good at it; they can help train the other person along the way. But we're going to put that in their bucket in, instead, right? Again, setting them up for success before they get into the heat of the battle, and you find out that person was never capable of doing that task within their responsibility. It's
0: interesting, you bring up the, like the roles and responsibilities. I've like I've worked in the corporate world a while, and worked on a lot of different teams on, with a lot of different projects. And things don't go smooth when you don't set up roles and responsibilities on it and have those agreements in place. I can recall recently I implemented a knowledge base system for my entire organization. And I remember having those conversations up front about like what role are you going to play? What role am I going to play? Okay, how how often can we check in? And just having those things out front made the project go so much smoother. Everybody was happy. We did exactly what we needed to do and we got the project completely done on a smooth and timely manner. I mean that's what we're talking about here is like this could be within teams, it could be within contractors, it could be with like, agreements are really foundational. you like, you even said a marriage, so key to know what role you're playing, what we can hold each other accountable to, it gives you permission. I think that's, that's the key to all of that.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, it feels like we're talking about no-brainer stuff, right? But why are we talking about it?
0: Because people, they forget to do this, and it's like a simple step, because you're it's like a handshake, verbal, like we do that too often without really clearly saying what our roles are and what we agree to. Because it, if it's left unsaid, so many problems can come from it.
1: Exactly. So that's, that's why we're talking about it. Not because I want everyone to become – contract experts are (laughs) always asking you to sign here all the time, but it's because the issue remains in in all industry where people rush into these arrangements without clearly defining the terms of their relationship. Again, whether it's a contract or a personal relationship or just creating a team to do a project, we skip this step because we're all in a hurry and no one feels like they have the time to plan it out. But the reality of it is if you take the time up front to get all this on the table, get it clear, you know, clearly defined what your agreement is all about, who's responsible for what, you're going to save yourself the time on the back end and build momentum into your next agreement, your next project. So you're not scrambling all the time.
0: Yeah, right. Speak to the audience that may not have a need or uh, the ability to have like a legal contract agreement versus like, let's say it's with a team. What kind of expectations are within that agreement. How do we clearly define what is in that agreement with, let's say a team or something that's not legal based?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at the team level, it's up to the, whoever's forming that team, whoever the executive or leader of that team is going to be, you know, at first the onus falls on them to set up clear swim lanes, you know, for each person that's going to be on that team. And I use the term swim lanes because, You can cross over a swim lane. There's not a concrete wall in between each one. And my expectation with a high-performing team is that you're going to share these lanes and you're gonna weave in and out a little bit. Um, But it's up to the leader to, they have expectations of each person, right? And their first step should be writing out those expectations for what each person's gonna play on that team. Um, And then they can't keep it to themselves. They need to share it with that individual. (laughs) It should be a shared document, right? Right, and then they should share it with the whole team. And before you get down the road on the project and everyone's getting frustrated with each other, you have to have time to talk about these things as a group, everyone's roles and responsibilities, and the expectations, the deliverables, the timeline before you get underway. Otherwise, you're just, you're sowing, you know, cynicism and creating an opportunity for people to really get get annoyed with each other because they don't understand what the other person's role and responsibilities were. You know, so that, so that goes back to, you know, the leadership setting the project team up correctly. You know, I say when in doubt, draw it out. Don't leave any mystery to it. If you leave mystery to what each person's roles are, you know, they're going to have to guess and ultimately everyone's going to be disappointed um, because you haven't clearly defined what, what it looks like.
0: Yeah. And I think like uh, another leadership principle as like foundational is like accountability. And how do you hold somebody accountable if you don't have working agreements in place? Makes it a lot harder, doesn't it? Exactly.
1: Yeah, you just end up be- becoming frustrated and you you know, you know end up, again, getting cynical about that person. Again, it's just counterproductive. It's okay to get frustrated when projects aren't going well, but if you've set yourself up for that, you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, you know, well, what did I do to help prevent this before we got going, right? So, yeah, that's the way we look at it.
0: In a lot of your presentations, you always have a, a gift of failure, and I think this is your your moment to like help others come along with <laughs> with you and learn from the mistakes that you've made or somebody on your team has possibly made. When it comes to uh, agreements, <laughs> what is your story?
1: I you know there's so many here, and I try to pick out ones that kind of tie a common theme together throughout the entire foundational five, and so the. While I have many, and even experiencing some now through clients who have signed up for bad deals, the one that I share with folks is actually it's a it's a two-part story. Actually, it's probably twenty-five parts, but I share two parts of it in the foundational five class. Uh, one in the agreements uh, principle, and then it, it transitions actually right into surprise, surprise communication principle number two. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep the details generic just to be kind to everybody. So forgive the ambiguity there, but I'll try to keep it as generic as possible. But the story about agreements where I found myself in a pit of despair on a project many, many years ago, I'm about halfway through my previous career and brought on to uh, be the lead project manager on a multi-hundred million dollar project in another state. And that project had already been underway for a couple of years, multi-phase, this massive project. And uh, so I kind of came in, you know, as the relationship between us and the developer, the owner of the property, you know, had already existed for some time. And that relationship was based, really had a family feel to it where we didn't talk about the contract. It wasn't a handshake deal. There was a contract in place, but it was kept away from everyone's eyes. And, you know, everyone was trying to just work it out on the project. And while in concept, that sounds really nice right? Um, As long as everything's going well, like, yeah, no one wants to go to the contract. There's, you know, people say if you're going to the contract, everyone's lost. And I I just couldn't disagree more. You're going to the contract for the first time at the end of a large project, whether a deliverable, a construction deliverable, or any other sorts of projects, then you've lost because no one's been looking at the responsibilities around the contract. If you're going to it often during the course of whatever that project is, and you're making sure that you're fulfilling your responsibilities and the other people are making sure they're fulfilling those you haven't lost you're doing what you agreed to do so on this project it was kept away it was you know no one wanted to look at it let's just figure it out as a quote-unquote family and we're going to work through it so and we had some you know on the the owner's side the developer's side we have you know a couple of really great leaders there that kind-hearted people and then the, you know, the main leader of the uh, overall project on their side, unfortunately, she passed away. Yeah, as we were really getting into the second couple hundred million dollars worth of construction on this project, cancer got the best of her and very sad for the project, you know, that we lost her. But when she passed away, we, we really didn't know how much we had really lost. And it's construction, though, right? So at a funeral, had a celebration of life, and then the project, you know, tried to quickly move on. Um, because we're in the heat of the battle for lack of a better right and so new people were brought in to you know fill fill her shoes and they while nice on the surface didn't really share the same values that she did and we never paused as a group to reset the expectations or what we have agreed to and the contract certainly didn't come back out at that point either
0: Wow. The missed opportunity.
1: It's a big missed opportunity. Again, you know, a regret on my side. You know, we just tried to, you know, build on. And so there was no resetting of boundaries and expectations. Um, and so in our mind, we keep, this is a very complicated project with a massive amount of changes, a custom kind of building, one of a kind, really, in the world. And so with those kind of projects comes a lot of change in, in designing as we go and figuring it out. And so with change comes... Dollars, right? And so, you know, a large amount of dollars were amounting um, on the project that we needed to get into our contract to accommodate all these changes that we made. And it became very contentious. You know, the people who took over, again, didn't have the same kind of values that the previous leader did. And they became very contentious quickly once she was gone. And it all of a sudden, before we knew, we were in the fight of our lives to try to get paid for the things that we knew were. You know, legitimate things right and so then all of a sudden the contract comes out unbeknownst to us all of a sudden we start getting these uh, emails from the new leadership um asking us all these questions about the contract and whether we're doing this or whether we're doing that and of course we were you know we knew what we were required to do but they had not really looked at it in you know three years you know they were attempting to kind of distract and delay the process of getting us uh, the additional funds that we were due by going to these, you know, areas of the contract and trying to see, you know, if we were fulfilling our terms, which we were, Um, but it became extremely contentious and communication was breaking down and I was at a loss. I was completely overwhelmed you know, with the amount of funds I needed to get and also trying to answer all these questions that are coming out of left field. And I the and the relationship was breaking. It yeah. was breaking. I imagine. We were only 50 percent of the way through this multi hundred million dollar project. And I was like, oh, my God, what can we do? And so around Christmas time one year, you know, which is a good time, I think, for people to try to reconcile Uh, Relationships. People are more open-hearted. It seems. I came up with the idea that I'm going to burn the contract. I'm going to get a flame, a a torch, and I'm going to burn the contract. Oh, and so, yeah, and so uh, you know, my my stories always involve like fire and water and stuff. So, so I I got a hold of the leadership. They didn't know what I was going to do, but I got a hold of them and said, hey, I'd like to I'd like to meet um, on site today. You know, in the afternoon to uh, talk about how we can move forward and and fix things. And so then I I printed out this entire contract, a few hundred pages, right? I asked one of my laborers on the project, hey, go get me a torch. I need a blowtorch. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, bring me a torch. And so he brought me a blowtorch and a a bucket. And I had the big contract. And you know we, we met on site and they saw me holding the contract. And I said, what I remember about this job is that we were going to do this as a family. And we weren't just going... To rely on terms on a piece of paper. And so I am recommitting to you that that's how I want to deliver this project with you. And, you know, and I, you know, I, I think I said it maybe a little more eloquently then, but it appeared I had reached them, right? You know, they got a little misty idea, you know, and, you know, and then I threw the, you know, 200 pages of the contract in the bucket and I, I lit that sucker on fire and we had a little bonfire right there in the middle of the job. And it was a a neat moment. It even started snowing on us right there and then. And, you know, I thought like, okay, I I got through to them. All the leadership on my team, I I told them what I did. Obviously, it's a symbolic thing, right? You know, I told them what I did and they're like, wow, that's a little crazy. But, you know, that might just work. And we thought we had gotten through, and we moved forward. And for a while, it got better. But the seed had already been sowed, and decisions on their side had already been made exactly how they were going to treat us at the end of this project, unbeknownst to us. And that's where, you know, the communication really broke down in this relationship. And I can tell you more about what happened there with communication and principle number two. But that's my agreement story that I tell that, well, again, Wow. on the surface good sentimental move potentially you know and made the relationship better for a while but ultimately we never reset our boundaries and expectations within the agreement and we just we tried to move past her it.
0: it was yeah the damage had already been done at that point so no matter what charade you were going to do it was already it was already too far gone at that point it sounds like what if you would have done this all over again, and you weren't there from the very beginning either. It sounded like you came in and then people changed because, you know, because of that untimely uh, death and then probably some other changes on their team and the players had all changed. You probably needed to realign earlier, but even if you could have at the very beginning had that agreement that you referred to on a regular basis. I mean, a 200-page document, there's got to be a lot of stuff in there. You probably should have regular just touch bases on like, okay, here's what we've accomplished. Here's what we said we're going to do. Are we still in alignment and are we still good to keep going forward?
1: Totally. Yeah. I, I inherited this agreement, this contract, right? If nothing was to be done. You know, at that point it was a done deal. My great regret on that one is once that transition in leadership happened because we lost our leader, we should have gone line by line through that yep. contract. Right. And clearly readdressed every issue to make sure we all understood exactly what the agreement meant because they didn't understand it clearly. And I'm not going to pretend to say that everyone on our team understood everything in that agreement either. And we just never stopped to make that realignment. And it, I think it really would have saved a lot of people a lot of heartache at the end of that project, which you'll hear, you'll hear at the end of that project in the next uh, next principle.
0: I love it. Josh, thanks for sharing that story. Anything else you want to say about agreements? I know we're we're going to have you back on, talk about the next principle, but um, as we close this one out, any any other thoughts? Don't
1: leave them to fate. I understand them.
0: I love that. Good advice. Well, thanks for sharing the story and your uh, insights on your leadership principle of agreements. Uh, It's good to have you back on.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Talk soon.
0: The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on transform your workplaces for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.